Hello and welcome to Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and with me today, my friend Chad. How are you, Chad? Doing great, Al. Uh, how's it going with you? Oh, not too bad. And uh, today we're going to be doing another uh, movie episode. Uh, before I begin that, though, I just want to tell you about a podcast that I started listening to recently. It's called Crit Heads, and it's a live-action play of uh, Fifth Edition. So if you are interested in checking that podcast out, go to soundcloud.com uh, backslash Crit Heads, and uh, that's all as one word. Um, of course, another one I'd like to pitch, and you, you guys have heard me talk about this uh, on many episodes. My friend Dan does a Dungeons & Dragons-focused podcast called uh, Radio Free Borderlands, and sometimes I help him with uh, the episodes there. So check those podcasts out if you're interested. But today, we are going to be taking another look in a movie. And again, we can't really do the whole it came from Netflix because like the last Lovecraftian movie we watched, this one was actually on Hulu. So today we're going to be taking a look at The Last Lovecraft, Relic of Cthulhu. You know, we're going to have to try to think of a new name for these episodes because, like yeah, I said... Yeah, I think you're right because we just keep uh, going off border, aren't we? Yeah, that's true because, I mean, originally I was thinking just Netflix, but it's like, hey... You know, Hulu has some good movies, too. So maybe we'll have to call this series uh, Two Geeks, One Film. Hey, there you go. Uh, there we go. So, okay, right. new feature now, Two Geeks, One Film. So this way we don't have to limit ourselves to just Netflix. Right, right. So um, with this one, we've done Dagon. Now we're doing this Lovecraft one. I have burrowed into your mind, Al. Yes, you have. And next thing you know, I mean, if you ever see me in the middle of the woods in a robe, uh, you know, circling around a campfire, chanting things in a voice that does not belong to me, then we, then maybe it's time for an intervention, right? Well, do you really want an intervention at that point? That is true. I probably would have lost so many sanity points that it probably uh, wouldn't matter, would it? Exactly. So now, I've been a I've been a Lovecraft fan and a, and a Cthulhu fan for a lot of years. Let's just say, and I'm, I still haven't been caught in the woods chanting. <laughs> Not yet. Well, as as I said, the, the keyword was I haven't been caught. Oh, okay. So we're not. <laughs> so you can neither confirm nor deny that you have, in fact, uh, walked around a, 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 a sacrificial bonfire in the woods, chanting in uh, unearthly tones yet, right? Correct. I cannot confirm or deny. But we can confirm that you did, in fact, watch this movie, and so did I. So let's take a look at the last Lovecraft. Now hey, well, I found a. And I hate to interrupt you here, but I found a awesome plot summary on IMBD. Do you mind if I read that? Oh, go ahead. All right. So the plot summary, it says, uh, Jeff is an ordinary guy that is stuck at a dead-end job with a boring life. But when a strange old man gives him an ancient relic and tells him that he is the last bloodline of H.P. Lovecraft, he and his friend Charlie embark on an adventure to protect the relic piece from falling into the hands of the star spawn and his minions that wish to reunite the relic and release Cthulhu back into the world. Yes, and you would think that this would be more of like a straight horror film, but actually it's a comedy horror. And one of the things I did like about the plot, I think it had some really cool elements to it, but I think that it could have worked either way as either a straight horror film or even the comedy horror route. Now let's 
take a moment to talk a little bit about comedy horror. It's it's not really uh, two words that you normally would associate with each other. Yeah, true, but it's something that recently, and by recently I mean the last 10 years, has really kind of taken hold. You look at the... Um, oh, Army of Darkness? Army of Darkness, the uh, movies that were done off of Scream. Oh, I can't think what they're called right now. Um, I know what you did. No, not I know what you did last. No. That's not really comedy horror, but... Um, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, like the ones with like uh, Evil Dead and Army of Darkness, I can see those being along the comedy horror because there's some good slapstick stuff in there. Like um, uh, one of my favorite scenes in, I think it was Army of Darkness 2, where, you know, Ash is trying to retrieve the book and he's caught with all those hands, you know, by those hands in the woods Yes. And like they keep trying to slap him and stuff. And, you know, they keep slapping him around. One of them tries to do the Three Stooges eye poke, but he puts his hand up to block it. And then, like, I think like two separate hands came out and poked him. So, right. uh, now, the book, I, if I remember correctly, it's been a long time since I've seen these movies, but that's the Necronomicon, right? I think it is. Yeah. And it's like he had to say, Cthu, um, was it, uh, Cantu Vanu Nictu? which some of you old school geeks might remember that or might recognize that rather from the day the earth stood still. And of course he couldn't remember the, you know, how it was uh, supposed to go. So when he was about to take the book, he was like, Cantu Vanu, you know, cause he didn't remember it. Right. And he takes the book. And of course that's when things go to, you know, start going downhill and when he gets back to the castle, they were like, didn't you say the words? He's like, I was close enough. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the series I was thinking of is Scary Movie. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which I don't know if that really falls along the same lines because that's an intentional parody. Yeah. And as I, as I was coming up with it and I was thinking of the different movies, I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe you're right. That does not really fit. Yeah. Because the thing about the Scary Movie series I liked the first one, and I saw a couple of the others, and I think after a while it kind of started to grow stale, because it's essentially saying, okay, how many pop culture references can we cram into one movie? Right, and all it really was, it was the same movie over and over with different celebrity cameos. Exactly. You so, know, when, when it got to the point of Charlie Sheen and, uh, what was her name, uh, the girl from American Pie... Uh, Reed, uh, Tara Reed, I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, and didn't they make like six or seven of those movies or? Probably. I think I, I think I made it. I think I watched the fifth one, which was the Charlie Sheen one, just because I'm like, oh, this has got to be a train wreck. It's got Charlie Sheen and Tara Reed in it. And, yeah. And it was, but I think I only saw the first two and maybe the fifth one, but there's, there's so many of them. Yeah. And another movie that kind of fits into the same horror comedy genre. Uh, Shaun of the Dead, because it is a zombie film, but, you know, it's done in a very, more of a lighthearted, uh, comical way, where it's not like, I mean, granted, there is blood and gore in it, as I recall, but there's still a few, you know, touches of humor every now and then. Now, I think the last Lovecraft is Definitely comedy horror, but it also falls into another genre that I don't want to get too much into because I really would like to devote an entire episode to this, and that is geek humor. 
Um, so when you think of geek humor, how would you define that? I'm just curious how, you know, if you think of the same way as, as I think of it. Oh, when I think of geek humor, I mean, I, as far as movies go, I think of things like um, Dead, Dead Gentleman Society. They did the... Um, the Gamers. The Gamers. And they did The Gamers 2, and they've done The Gamers 3, and they've done they've done other geek movies, too, that aren't as well known, and I can't think of them right off the top of my head. I think they also I think they also did one called Dark Dungeons, which for those of you who were uh, around early or in like the 80s, I don't know if they still do this anymore, but uh, Jack Chick used to release these things called Chick Tracks where um, and there he had one where it was about role playing games and how it would cause you to sell your soul to the devil and <laughs> it was part of the whole satanic panic in the 80s, but they oh, played it's a fault. Yeah, yeah, they played a game in there called Dark Dungeons, and uh, as, as what I recall seeing from that, it's like there's this girl who, playing Dungeons and Dragons, required her to join a witch's coven, and she could only be called by her, you know, her new Dungeons and Dragons character's name, and you know, and they, they, I think it was Dead Gentlemen. They actually did make a movie uh, called Dark Dungeons, which I haven't seen it. But I think it's supposed to. I don't know if it's supposed to parody that, or or what. But I think it would be interesting to see. But yeah, when I think when I think of geek type movies, I mean, just just with bringing it back to this movie, they had such subtle little things in there. Um, uh, we talked about it before we started game or before we started uh, recording here. Is that you know there was that bumper sticker. My other pet is a shogoth. Yeah, the T-shirt, and it's like I don't think it was a bumper sticker. I know the oh, guy no, had a T-shirt. It had a bumper sticker too. I thought I saw bumpers. Maybe it wasn't that, but anyway, it was. You know, my other my other pet is a shogoth. Now, if you're just Joe Blow that comes in off the street to watch this movie, you're gonna. You're, it's not gonna mean anything to you. You're gonna look at it. and You're gonna go, my my other pet is a shogoth. Okay, and you're gonna get the idea that it's that creepy little thing that's you know stenciled on there. But for those of us that live in this realm of geekery we're like oh that's really funny you know exactly and i think that's a good definition of of a geek comedy because there and i did catch that too there were lots of little references in there like there was one of the characters paul um and he had a fight with a friend of his and it's like after you know after he beat up his friend his friend is like well i'll never be your dungeon master again yes and there was another good one the that the two protagonists were dry. Uh, see, Jeff and Charlie, the two main characters, they were driving off and they were talking about how they were going to save the world. And one of them was like, do I look like an effing hobbit to you? Which, you know, again, you think about it. Okay. Two hobbits trying to save the world. Okay. That's obviously that's a reference to Lord of the Rings, but not everyone is going to necessarily pick up on that. Oh, and another, well, this is a Facebook meme. Um, I posted it today because a friend of mine posted it, so I shared it. But it had a picture of Captain Picard with his like head in his hand. And it said, Though how you act when someone tells you they love to read but don't understand the importance of 42. Right, yeah. Which, again, if you don't you know, know what that means... You know, it's a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. It's the answer to life, the universe, and everything. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> I know in my the current Dungeon Master in my campaign, it's like one of our players is learning that you never ask him a question because if, or you never say to him, can I ask you a question? 
because if he's if if you say to him, "Can I ask you a question?" he'll just be like 42. And uh, uh, okay. we have a younger guy in our group who it took him a while to really pick up on that and we had of course we had to explain to him that you know, okay, that's this running joke in the work of Douglas Adams where 42 is the answer to everything. Right. Yeah. See, I've got a buddy who lives out in California. Yeah. Staying on the meme topic. Um, he lives out in California today. He posted a picture of Frodo, you know, standing there with the ring. And it says, I, I don't mean to say it's hot in California, but two hobbits just dropped a ring in my backyard. <laughs> that's good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so I think that's what we mean when we talk about geek humor, where there's a lot of little references in there that would probably be lost on the general public. But for those of us who do consider ourselves geeks and, you know, really into our fandoms, we're going to pick up on things where others don't. And uh like the Gamer series, uh that one I think is one of the best examples of geek humor because... You know, again, it was written specifically for people who were into role-playing games. And the thing I liked about it is it came off as being sincere. You know, it's not like they were trying to make fun of gamers or anything. Now, in Last Lovecraft, I think that with the character of Char, well, Paul, uh, you know, which we'll be talking about in a moment or two, mm-hmm. but I think they were kind of making fun of geeks directly there because he was this you know, overweight bearded guy and he lived in his grandma's basement. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but his relationship with his grandma was something else, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so to get on to today's topic, uh, the, since I, I think we've stalled enough, but let's talk about this movie. And so the plot is, as Chad mentioned, we've got this uh, character, Jeff, who just works a dead end job. And then one day uh, he receives a visitor well, actually, before this, and this is one of those little good one-liners I liked in the movie. Uh, they tell you the backstory about how um, there was this relic that was split into two. And if they were ever joined, it would allow Cthulhu to return to the Earth. And um, the uh, these two older gentlemen were talking, and was it the Order of Cthulhu or the Council of Cthulhu? It's the Council of Cthulhu yep. versus the Cult of Cthulhu. Yes, so the Council of Cthulhu, which is the secret society um, that uh, is designed to, or they were brought together to watch out for these, you know, these old god, you know, elder god entities. And we have to talk about the, a little bit of the background of the movie here. And this is what I thought was really cool. Uh, these two, when these two older gentlemen are talking, you know, they reveal to the, the viewer that the stuff that Lovecraft wrote about was actually real. And, you know, he, even though he wrote the stories, he then founded this, uh, this council to protect the world against the cult, the cult of Cthulhu. So I don't know how you thought about that, but I thought that was brilliant. I really liked that part of the movie. I agree. Since the relic of Cthulhu is, is at least in my reading of Lovecraft, which is pretty extensive, never talked about. You know, um, they talk about the planets aligning, which they talk about. They talk about, you know, needing star spawn there to bring Cthulhu back. They talk about all that kind of stuff, but the, that, that was something that they fabricated for this movie. And I thought they did it pretty seamless, seamlessly. Uh, yes. And, oh, I, I forgot the opening scene. Um, mom, we're not going to go back and re-record everything here, but the movie actually started out with the discovery of one of these artifacts in half a desert. Of, yeah, half, half of it. Before. And and then they had this, it, 
I don't know why they did this, but it cut to the scene of these two guys on a boat, and they all they both die violent deaths by some unseen creature. So that was about as gory as the movie really got, because there's this one scene where the guy gets pulled through the door, and then you see his entrails spilling out. So that was about as... Actually, that's kind of funny. My daughter, who has never seen the movie before, was watching watching it with me. And when... You know, the one guy disappeared. She kind of, you could, you know, how you can watch people and they kind of tense up. Yeah. See, she was tensing up. She knew something was coming. And then, you know, he gets slammed against the window and then he disappears. And then the other guy gets pulled out of the cabin and he's, he's just goo, right? Yeah. Now, why they did that, I don't know if it was just for the gore effect. I don't know if it was supposed to be kind of a foreshadowing of what was to come. But I did. But- Oh, go ahead. Um, but um, I think without it, it kind of because there wasn't a whole lot of gore in this comedy horror, and I think without it, it almost would lose the horror portion of it. I mean, there was there was a lot of supposed fighting and stuff going on, but it was a lot of it was off screen. Yeah. Um. So, and I did notice that one of the guys that was killed. The star spawn was later wearing his T-shirt, so uh, not sure where that came about. It would have been nice if maybe they explained, okay, why is this star spawn creature now wearing the T-shirt that one of these, you know, unimportant characters was was wearing? And maybe that's what it was supposed to, you know, be show you that you know it was star spawn that killed those two guys because they had, you know, the cult had called him forward to release Cthulhu. Yeah. But what I'm thinking is, you know, show Star Spawn. You don't have to show him doing the killing because you get to see later that he can grow these tentacles out of his back. Yeah, and I think he had something coming out of his hand too. Yeah, because he killed the cult leader with it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, you know, show him on the deck. Show, you know, it's a rated R movie. Show him standing there naked, even if from behind. At least give us that impression that Star Spawn is there and this is his work. Even if we don't, we don't have to see him kill these people. But Chad, think about it. Do we really want to see a Star Spawn of Cthulhu naked, even from behind? Well, I mean, if he's, if he's, if all his tentacles and stuff aren't out, he's just going to be red. It's going to be like seeing Hellboy's ass. Okay. Well, I've never seen Hellboy's ass, so I can't quite say, I can't quite speak to that. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. So this is where we get to the, these two old men from the Council of Cthulhu, and they're talking about how they had to find the, you know, the last, uh, you know, the last descendant of, of, a, of Lovecraft. Yep. And this is where, again, they reveal that the stuff that Lovecraft was writing about was real, and they had to uh, find that, you know, his descendant, so that he could protect the world against the, you know, uh, he could protect that that artifact. And this is where I like one of the good little one-liners. Uh, the One of the gentlemen was telling the other one that he had to go deliver it to the... Uh, you know, the, the last Lovecraft guy, and he's like, I put my money on you being dead two days from now, so... Right. I, I thought that was kind of... I just, I enjoyed that little, uh, you know, that little one-liner there, so... He didn't make it two days either. He made it about eight hours. Exactly. So then, <laughs> this is where we meet Jeff and Charlie, who, again, they're just working in their dead-end call center job. Really and, sterile deliveries. Yep, and I remember one of... Because one of the guys you find out 
uh, Charlie is a cartoonist. And he drew like some cartoon of their squirrely mascot cutting a guy in half with a chainsaw. And he's like, he was pitching that as a catalog cover because it's like, you know, he's like, uh, slashing prices. Yes, yeah, slashing prices. And, uh, this is where, in some of the stuff that happens early on, this is, again, where I think they were almost kind of taking a jab at, a good natured jab at, uh, you know, some, geeks who are really really obsessed with their their fandom yep because when they were talking that it cut to this scene where he was getting intimate with a woman and he had some like monster toy on his bookshelf that fell down and hit her on the head and yeah rather than being like oh sorry are you okay and you know he's like hey careful with that that's like a rare first edition and yeah yeah you know so and it's the like girl reacted exactly how you'd expect her to she got dressed and left exactly so <laughs> But this is where uh, Jeff finds out that since he's this last Lovecraft uh, descendant, he has to guard the relic so that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. And what, this is one of the things I liked is there's a couple points in the movie where it goes from the live action to this comic book style where, uh, you know, they, uh, the old gentleman was asking uh, Jeff if he knew about you know, the Cthulhu and stuff. And then he pulls out this comic book. And then as he's narrating uh, what was happening in the comic book, it goes to like, I said this animated comic book sequence. Yeah, exactly. And this is one of the things that we said when we were planning on this episode, we said we were going to talk about a little bit. Uh, They talk about the sunken city of Relay, except they pronounce it a bit different than what I'm normally used to hearing it. Right. Um, Cause the, the main pronunciation I've heard of, there's a artist, uh, uh, not an artist, a musician, Eben Brooks, and he has a band that he works with, in my humble opinion, and he uh, has a song he did called Hey There Cthulhu. It's a parody of the song Hey There Delilah. Okay. Uh, go look for it on YouTube. I know you. I'm gonna have to because I've never heard this one. It's it's a good song. It, it's funny. So yeah, after you're done listening to this podcast, or actually, you know, if you want to go YouTube it now, go ahead, audience. Uh, pause the podcast. Uh, go YouTube. Uh, hey there, Cthulhu. Don't worry, Chad and I'll wait. Uh, but they actually pronounce it like Relaya. Right. Which yeah, I never heard that pronunciation. So uh, I've and I, heard that pronunciation. Um, I've always been a, a, me- a member of the Rot Relay group. Um, some people get really bound up in the names of these things, but Lovecraft said, you know, these are the closest to human utterance that they can get to the names of these things. Right. And was, didn't Lovecraft also write something about like true names and how it would yes. have a certain power? He was a, he was a very big believer in true names and that true names would have a power. Um, over whatever creature. So, um, you know, and when he speaks of true names, he's not talking about, you know, Alan Seeger or, you know, Chad Knight. He's talking about what our true, what our, what our soul's names are. So back on track to the movie after, uh, the old man gives the, you know, the relic to, to Jeff. Soon afterwards, they're attacked by, uh, Star Spawn and several of his fishmen. Except they had one guy who was like a lamprey head. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah, because uh, while this old man was... lamprey hands, too. Yeah, because the old man was trying to hold the star spawn off. And, you know, so the other two are trying to escape and they're trying to drive in the car. But, yeah, this 
like guy with lamprey mouth and hands just comes up and is like suction to the window. Yep. And you know, he tries to like take out a crowbar to peel him off. So I don't know if they used CGI or prosthetics, but I thought the for the most part I thought the the creatures in there actually looked pretty good. Yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure at least that one was prosthetic because at one point when he rolls down the window and he rolls it up and he rolls it down again and he rolls it up the second time a lip of that costume got t- caught in the top of the window and they couldn't close all the way. So I didn't, I did not notice that part. If so. a chance, go back and watch that. Cause then he comes out of the top of the car, you know, and he, he uses the crowbar and you get that, that, that pop sound as it comes off. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, one of the things, um, to, to step back just a bit is, um, the only last name we really get in the movie is Jeff's, which is Phillips. Yep. And of course, um, HP, which is Howard Phillips Lovecraft was actually Phillips was the name of the other branch of the family. Um, so, you know, he's not obviously the son of HP Lovecraft because Lovecraft never had any kids, but I thought it was funny that Jeff had never heard of HP Lovecraft where <laughs> Charlie was like, Oh man, I got this. And you know, you know, Cthulhu. And he's like, ah, ah you know, this, that, and the next thing. And, and and the other guy's just kind of looking at him like, um, okay. Oh, that's right. So it was probably Charlie that was explaining the comic book, not yes, Jeff. Yes, it was Charlie. So. Yep, yep. Okay, so the... Uh, anyway, yeah. fast forward back to the lamprey mouth. Uh, yep, so... One of my uh, favorite one-liners is, it's like a volcano of teeth. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think this is the part where they were driving away, and it's like, you know, what do we what do we look like? You know, two freaking hobbits? And, right, yeah. But this is where they go to see their... Uh, friend Charlie, I'm sorry, not Charlie, oh. Paul, Paul. Yeah. Um, who, again, they're trying to get uh, him to help them out. And uh, this is where, again, we find out that he lives, you know, he lives in his grandma's basement and he takes a look at the artifact and he thinks it's a bootleg because he's like, see, I've got one too. And it's got like a certificate of authenticity. Right, you know, right. he was probably looking on the back for like a serial number. Um, and then this is where Jeff and, uh, Charlie get kind of fed up and they're leaving and they throw the, uh, they throw the, the relic into the guy's fish tank and it starts to glow. So that's when they realize. LED version? Yeah. <laughs> but that's when they realize, hey, you know, that stuff, this is true. This is real. And I love what happened next. They decide that they have to train Jeff on how to fight Cthulhu. So they go up to, uh, while they're in his yard, Paul, he's got like this this cheap Cthulhu mask on, and you know those like pool noodles. Basically, they're just these long foam noodles that people play with in the pool. Yeah, and he he's like holding two of them under each armpit, and he's like shaking them around like they're tentacles, and he's trying to fight them with boffer weapons. I love I love it though. He's got those he's got those noodles sticking out. He's like. I'm Cthulhu! And it's just like, oh my god. Which, like, you know, we were saying, I, I think Paul is that, that true dig on the gamer. But I don't think anything they did as far as, as references to gamers or making fun of gamers were, was done in a, you know, with malicious malice. Way. It, it was just done in a fun loving kind of, you know, this is this is the stereotype. Not that it's true, but this is the stereotype kind of thing. Yep. 
And then this is where we meet one of uh, Paul's friends who is played by Martin Starr, uh, who I guess is probably one of the more well-known people from this particular, uh, who's in this particular movie. Um, He was in Freaks and Geeks and uh, knocked up, uh, see, Dead Snow, Red vs. Dead. You know, he's been in a few other things, but yeah, he's probably one of the few noteworthy actors in the movie. Um, So this is where, you know, of course he appears and this is where they have a fight. And I forgot who said it, but it's like when Martin, when um, Clarence, that was his name, uh, Clarence and Paul are fighting. And one of the other guys was like, it's like a nerd volcano. Yeah. And they're like, "Uh, should we stop this? And he's like, well, I'm kind of enjoying it. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually, yeah. And that's when after uh, uh, Paul beats up Clarence, he's like, you know, Clarence is like, I'm never going to be your dungeon master ever again. And yep. so this is where they start their journey. And yes, they... to, to my favorite character, I don't know about you, but Captain Olaf. Oh yeah. He, um, he's a, he's a bit actor, bit part actor. I've seen him in a lot of things. Um, can't think of anything off the top of my head, but Greg Lawrence is his name. He plays these really kind of curmudgeonly kind of soft hearted guys. And that's exactly what, Captain Olaf was. Yeah. Because they, uh, they they seek him out because he's had first-hand experience with the cult of Cthulhu, and he's living in an RV in the middle of the desert. And it was kind of funny when, well, well actually when they were on their way, uh, they were going to stop at a, a hotel because I, I think it was Charlie wanted to get uh, like something from the vending machine. Yep. And that's where you find out that the, you know, they're, they're ambushed by the cult because they all have these tattoos of Cthulhu on their wrist. And this is where Paul gets captured. Um, and they, you know, they end up like breaking both of his arms. And, um, then, you know, meanwhile, uh, you had, uh, said Je- uh, Jeff and Charlie who had made it to captain Olaf's RV in the middle of the desert. And yep. yeah, I, I like one of, he had a good one liner where he was like, you know, he's talking about how these, yeah, you know, he was fish, he was raped by fish women and uh the you know, so he advised that he should do what he did and just go go live as far away from the ocean as you possibly can. Yeah, because because once you're fish raped, you'll never forget it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh it turns out that he actually had a son, uh Glenn, I think his name was. Glenn, yes, yep. Glenn. Yep, so he was uh they showed him he he basically kept him in a a little inflatable pool in the back of his R V. Yeah. And um, this is when they, you know, they said, okay, they got to fight back against him. And, you know, Jeff and Captain Olaf go to retrieve, uh, you know, a weapons cache that he had hidden, you know, some, some guns and some dynamite. And uh, this is where uh, I was like, Char- uh, Charlie accidentally kills Glenn. <laughs> Try, trying to save him. Yes. I guess. <laughs> but he uh, gives him some saltines and then, um, again, you gotta love Captain Olaf when he gets back and finds out that this guy inadvertently murdered his son. And he's like, you know, I've been trying to do that for years. Yeah, you did something I could never do. <laughs> yes, and um, then when the star spawn and the uh, the the, the fishmen type things start trying to attack him, uh, you, you know, of course, Captain Olaf had a couple of guns, but he kept the bullets and the trash heap outside. And of course, they're like, why are you keeping the bullets away from the guns? And he was explaining like. Uh, it's a well, safety it's, issue. Yes, because he was, while he was trying to raise Glenn, he was thinking of killing himself. 
And so he figured, well, the best way to deal with it is to keep the bullets by the, you know, outside by the trash. Yeah. So yeah, that might have been a little bit of a weak storyline, but hey, whatever. Yep. And then, of course, they go. They eventually have to confront, uh, you know, Star Spawn. And unfortunately, Captain Olaf dies from a harpoon to the chest. Um, and then uh, the Star Spawn, he gets both parts of the relics, and he's trying to put them. He's putting them back together. But this is where, uh, fortunately, it was a good thing they took that dynamite. He shot the dynamite and caused it to blow up, which killed Star Spawn, separated the relic, and thus saved the world. Yeah, we got to stop watching the the chamber door to Cthulhu starting to light up in comic book frames. And then it went away. Yeah. So Cthulhu not able to escape his prison then. And uh, then a few months later, it, we find out that Charlie, who again was an artist, was he decided he was going to create this comic book series based on his adventures. And I liked it. Was, he was doing this book signing. And he was trying to tell this young boy, it's like, you know, that it was based on a true story. Right. And the kid's like, yeah, whatever. Yep. And then that's when uh, Jeff arrives and he's got a map and they go to Antarctica to go to the Mountains of Madness, which... Yes. Which I'm hoping someday they decide to make into a movie because if it's done in the same way as this one was, I, <laughs> I'd watch it. Yeah. And I have heard, I mean, I have seen trailers on YouTube where there was an effort to make a movie based on at the mountains of madness, but I don't know if it got funded or not. I, I mean, I haven't, I know there's been a serious one made, which I have not seen yet. Um, but I don't know if they've done one in this, this horror comedy genre type, uh, thing, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd watch it. Yeah. And, um, cause I know there was another movie that, uh, was made that was it was it was called Call of Cthulhu and I think I mentioned this last time when we were talking about Dagon. about Dagon yeah. where it was done in like a black and white silent you know silent movie style because that's what would have been done at that time Correct. and I have to admit that I thought it was cool that the Lovecraft I don't know if it's the Lovecraft Preservation or Lovecraft Craft Historical Society mm-hmm. but um. Uh, you know, they made it using the special effects and cinematic techniques and equipment that they, well, I don't know if they use the same type of equipment, but they shot it using the same techniques and special effects that they would have had in that time. Right. And the, I thought that Mountains of Madness was going to be done in a similar way, except uh, since it takes place a little later, it would have been done as a regular movie. Um, but looking up the movie on Wikipedia, it says that, uh, let's see, in 2011, Universal Studios refused to greenlight the project because, let's see, uh, Guillermo del Toro was, looks like he was going to be, uh, directing it and he wanted it as an R movie rather than PG-13. Um, so. Red lighted it? They, they wouldn't greenlight it because del Toro wanted to do R-rated where it sounds like Universal Studios, they wanted it to be PG-13. Interesting. You know, so, uh, which I guess it's kind of like with the whole Deadpool movie thing where, you know, they were afraid that if they did it as an R movie, it wouldn't, it wouldn't sell. But of course, obviously, uh, Deadpool has been very successful. So, yeah. in fact, they've green lighted a couple more that are going to be R rated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, so according to the Wikipedia article is that as of January 2013, 
Del Toro stated that he's going to try one more time to get the movie made, but you know, it doesn't look like, you know, that's all I have. So yeah. Yeah. It's it. I would assume that probably if it hasn't been greenlit or announced now, it probably isn't going to get made at least not anytime soon. Right. Yeah. So all, Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but you know, that's just kind of the way the, the movie industry is again, you know, he's trying to do something outside the norm, which, you know, we kind of talked about on tropes and cliches and it's a lot harder to make those kind of movies because people don't want to put the money behind it because they can't guarantee the return. Exactly. And uh, cause the, and I can, I, maybe I can see why universal studios would want to not release it as an R because they think that maybe if they did PG 13, I could see them almost trying to do like an Indiana Jones type feel to that movie where, uh, you know, they don't really focus as much on the horror or the, you know, the violent or gore aspects. It's more about, you know, explorers in some sort of, you know, alien city that they found. So that's what I could see Universal wanting to do. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I haven't read the mountains at the Mountains of Madness. I just know the basic premise behind it. Mm -hmm. I guess I could see it kind of working out if it was done in the vein of an Indiana Jones movie. But then again, with, you know, we know how some people are about their fandoms where it's like I said, if they release Deadpool as a PG or PG 13, the hardcore Deadpool, Deadpool, I almost said Deadpool fans, you, you know, probably wouldn't have accepted it at that, you know, that level. And, you know, fortunately they, you know, did make it R and I think the movie was, you know, much better off for that. Right. And I mean, even some of the actors, Ryan Reynolds had been quoted at some point saying that if they had done it as a PG 13, he would not have signed on as Deadpool. Yep. And, after seeing him portray it, I don't, I really can't think of any other um, actors that really would have been able to pull it off because you could tell that, you know, he was having a lot of fun in that movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and it looks like all the actors were really enjoying what they were doing. And, um, but to bring it back around to this movie, let's talk a little bit about the actual acting. What did you think of the actors? Um, for the most part, I thought it was acceptable. I yeah. like that Captain Olaf, um, you know, was my favorite character. I thought that actor did a great job, but that's his career. You know, he is a kind of bit part actor. I thought Jeff, I thought Jeff was kind of stiff and kind of, um, almost like disinterested. It seemed in the mo- in the part. Yeah. Yeah. That's the feeling I got with both uh, the Paul and Jeff character, or not Paul, the Jeff and Charlie characters. It took me a while to really kind of warm up to their performance. Like I said, so the acting really didn't impress me for most of it. I said I did like like you. I did enjoy the Captain Olaf character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he definitely was the highlight of the movie. I think absolutely. Um, I enjoyed the. I I personally enjoyed the Star Spawn character. But for the simple reason that he wasn't on screen a ton, you know, they kind of they kind of kept him to drive points home, and I think that was a smart thing to do. Yeah, so in a way, he was almost kind of like Jaws, where it's almost like the less you see of him, the the scarier he really is. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I wasn't 
too much into the star spawn performance. Um, I mean, I said it was okay, but it didn't like, you know, knock me out of my seat. Well, no, I mean, I don't think any acting in this movie knocked us out of our seats. I mean, it was definitely Except a little Captain bit. Olaf. Well, yeah, he was good. <laughs> he was really good. Uh, but, I mean, for the most part, you could tell it was a small budget film. I don't know what the budget on it was, but I, if it was over $10 million, I'd be absolutely shocked. Acting, you know, it, it's one of those movies like we talked about once before. Acting was kind of kind of lame, but the story was good. And, you know, the, the overall, the way it was shot and, and, and set up, I thought was good. So, you know, it, it, you know, it's meatloaf. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. And I'd have to say if I had to rate it on a one to four, I would give it a four. Cause overall, I enjoyed the movie. Wasn't a really long movie. I was only like 78 minutes. Yeah. Something like I, I think I'm glad that they, I think it really worked at that length. I think that if they made it a little shorter, they wouldn't have been able to really get in, you know, some of the important stuff that they needed to. And I think if they would have made it too much longer, I think it just would have dragged out way too much. So, yeah. yeah. But I mean, all in all, with the exception of, I said, the acting did seem a little wooden and at times, but overall, I really enjoyed it. And I think it was good. They did do the, the horror comedy approach. Though, I, I could definitely see the plot working as a, as a solid horror film as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, on the scale of one to five, I think on this one, I'd probably actually go a little higher than you, uh, like four and a half or four and a quarter even. Just, you know, it's it's it doesn't blow my socks off, but I would watch it again. Um, you know, if I found it in a bargain bin somewhere, I would buy it. I'm not going to pay 20 bucks for it. I'll be honest, but I'd pay five or 10 bucks for it. Yeah. So all in all, I would definitely recommend seeing this. Uh, as I said, it is, I don't remember catching the rating if it was R or PG 13. Uh, Uh, let me just hop on Hulu and check to see if I, uh, the rating. So like I said, some blood and guts. Uh, use of profanity, so probably not the kind of movie you'd want to watch around uh, younger kids, but an oh. enjoyable film nonetheless. Yes, especially if you're into uh, Lovecraft, Cthulhu, comic books, anything like that. Um, I'm just looking here on IMBD, and according to that, it is not rated. Oh, okay. So, and yeah, it's uh, so tip, take it from us. If you have a chance to, uh, if you have access to Hulu and you have a chance to, you know, if you got you know, an hour and like an hour and 18 minutes of to spare, take a look at it. it you, you know, who knows? You might like it. And it did have some good funny moments in it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say definitely a watch. Um, let us know what you think. Let Al know in his, in his comment section. Um, if we're absolutely off our rockers, <laughs> um, which is possible. If we only have one sanity point left and we're just teetering on the edge of insanity. <laughs> but one thing that, we're going to play a little game. My friend Dan from the Radio Free Borderlands podcast uh, has done this with a couple episodes. It's called Cinema Theft, which, you know, we, and I helped him with one of these episodes where we talked about, you know, some movies and, you know, you know how we thought we could use those in a, in a campaign. Okay. And I could see the core premise of the movie 
where you've got this famous author who lived like hundreds of years ago, well, not hundreds, but, you know, uh-huh. yeah, a hundred or so years ago, and, you know, who wrote these, these creepy stories, and everyone thinks they're just stories. But I think that would be a kind of a cool uh, idea to rip off for a modern day campaign where maybe there's this author who wrote all these stories about strange creatures and then you find out that no, it was actually true, you know, those stories and that, uh, you know, he did found, you know, he did uh, establish this organization, the secret society as a way to protect the world against these fiends. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that actually is a really good idea. I'm taking notes as we talk. Um, <laughs> Cause I mean, even to do it in this, in this vein of, you know, with HP Lovecraft, um, I do a lot of weird things with running Call of Cthulhu. Uh, this past year at a convention, I took the Call of Cthulhu, um, idea and mechanics and I stretched Scooby-Doo skin over it. <laughs> so you got to play one of the, one of the Scooby gang, except for Velma cause she was kidnapped. Um, or not Velma, I'm sorry, Daphne. So uh, was Cthulhu actually a man in a rubber mask saying, and I would have gotten it away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids? <laughs> no, there was no rubber mask. That's that's where the Cthulhu portion of it comes in. Okay. There, there was no rubber mask. There was actual bad guys. So. Oh, okay. That is a kind of a cool idea, though. So, well, any final thoughts on this particular uh, movie, Chad? Yes, go watch it. Yes. Go watch it now. Well, so after not now, soon. So after people are done watching The Last Lovecraft, and if they maybe are in the mood for a little bit of light reading, where can they find you, Chad? Well, you can find me at uh, www.nuosu.blogspot.com. Um, that is my blog that has absolutely nothing to do with gaming. And if you want to see what I'm doing gaming-wise, you can go to www.evercon.org and check out the convention that I am one of the, uh, well, I'm the events manager. I have all kinds of titles, but for the most part, I'm the events manager. Um, that happens in January in Wausau. Um, so go check that out, too. Yep, and I know I'm going to try to make it up this there this year to run a few games. So, hey, if you're, you know, if you happen to be in uh, Wausau area... Around, uh, you know, around July or July. Why do I keep saying July? I said that when we were doing the, the, uh, 100th episode as well. Oh, uh, January. Did. Yes. I said the frigid month of July. <laughs> so no, the, if you're up in Wisconsin in the frigid month of January, uh, you know, try to stop by Evercon and maybe we'll see you there. But in the meantime, if you want to find me, of course, you can go to poigamestudio.com. You can Go to uh, Point of Insanity Game Studio on YouTube and check out some of my gaming videos. And uh, also feel free to stop by Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. Please feel free to like the page, leave comments, and hey, if you got any good uh, gamer jokes, feel free to leave those too. So with that said, thank you for uh, listening and have a good evening or morning or afternoon whatever it is wherever you are and happy gaming